I know I'm crazy. What's up, everybody? This is the first episode of season two. Who would have ever thought that we made it two seasons? I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. So for this very first episode of season two, I kind of want to get more intimate. I want you guys to get to know me. I'm going to be asking my guests some crazy invasive questions. Um, we're going really in depth this year. You guys gave me such great reviews. And by the way, if you haven't left a review on iTunes or iHeartRadio or any of the other, uh, whatever medium you listen to this podcast on, please do. It really helps me a lot, especially getting sponsorships. Cause I know y'all are tired of hearing me do my own commercials. So today I want you to just kind of get to know me. I want you to know a little bit about me. Season two is action packed. We already have a lot of episodes done and lined up, but today is about your girl. It's about Naja Hall. And who best to teach you about me than the people that know me, raised me, and loved me first. I'm here with three of the four members of my immediate family. My mom, Nancy, my dad, Nate, my sister, Nadia, and I'm going to call in my sister, Natoya. All right, so basically, I'm going to have them to come on, and I haven't even prepped them yet. <laughs> I'm going to have them to tell you one fun fact about me. Just an early disclaimer, my dad can be kind of loquacious and kind of wordsy, but I'm going to keep him at around one minute. So just <laughs> hold on one second. Let me go grab him. Mom! Hello, everybody. My name is Nancy, and I am Naja's mother. Uh, I'm proud to say that Naja uh, is my firstborn child, and I wanted to... Uh, groom her and wanted to be like a, a momager, a protector and love and and i did all that but what happened when uh on a first easter speech that threw me off <laughs> we practiced and we practiced she said it loudly everywhere she went to everybody but when it came to that sunday morning it was just two lines Happy Easter, happy morning, happy day, happy Easter to all you say. Would anything come out of her mouth? Anything. So, at that point, I uh, retired my duty as her momager because uh, she did not have it. So, she quit on me when I was, what, eight years old? Yes, I did. I've been in the streets all, all on my own, managing myself since I was eight years old, y'all. In these streets, cold streets. And however, that, that didn't stop. That didn't stop. I went to uh, track meets with her. Every time I went, she would flip over the whole thing. The I, ran, I ran hurdles. And the only time I've ever fallen and took a nasty spill is when my mom came to my track meet. So she was banned. Oh. <laughs> and also, I went to support her her, her first year uh, in college. Uh, she did a, uh, step show. a step show. And at that time, again, I think she just flipped whole, over the whole speaker. And that was, I said, okay, it's still going on and on and on and on. And, and before that, in middle school. Why are you supposed to be telling them something good about me? Well, I, I got to say this one thing. This is all disastrous. No, you're supposed to tell something good. Why am I... Are you crazy? No, mom. You're supposed to tell them, you know, these are people that listen to the show all the time. So you're supposed to tell them, you know, something about me that's good. Make them want to listen, not tell them how goofy I am. Okay, let's back up then. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all still remember all that. But, <laughs> but uh, she is 
is uh, genuinely a unique person. Um, I don't know uh, her personality came from uh, mom, dad, aunts, uncles. Um, it all entwined with everybody, not one particular person. Her uniqueness uh, is a God-sent gift. And she do have that talent of um, being extraordinary, loving, and cordial, and down-to-earth with uh, any level or status of, of people. Um, she is uh, getting her fancy from Fancy Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Good morning. My name is Nathaniel Matthews. I'm Nadja's father. Nadja is my firstborn. And speaking of firstborn, I remember hearing about uh, the day of her delivery. She was real hesitant about coming out. But I'm going to tell you something. After this girl came out, I watched her grow. I watched her blossom. And maybe that time that she was delaying about coming out, she was going to school and contemplating what she was going to do. But I tell you, after she learned what she learned from that hesitation, she came out. You talking about somebody got a fearless spirit, got a heart that's so big that would help anybody. Very smart, very intelligent. I'm really, really proud of my daughter, Nadja. Now, my dad said he remembers hearing about me coming out. He was actually there. So what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I was in the waiting room, and then my sister-in-laws and everything like that, they thought I was going to be scared or go back there and faint or something. So then they told me that uh, Nancy back in the delivery room. I told the doctors, I said, hey, give me a gown and everything like that, man. I went back there. I stood there like a natural man, watched the whole process. Was it Was it scary? No, not really, because nobody was so much joy, and I seen something happening before my eyes that I never experienced before. I seen the mother laying there. It was just so much going on in my mind at that time that it was just like I wanted to know what was going on. And uh, when I walked out of there, I told my sister-in-law, and I said, "Huh, y'all thought I was gonna faint, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? So Dad, tell me this. And I'm the firstborn, but. Am I your favorite child? When it comes down to children's, <laughs> you do not have what they say a favorite child because God has put a favor in each one of your children and you're able to recognize that gift that he put in each one of them individually and then collectively we make who we are in M5. So basically, yeah, I am. That's what the twins think. They Pay think me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Nathaniel Matthews, everybody. That's my dad. Hey. Hi, my name is Natoya Matthews. I am the sister of Naja Matthews, and I am here to tell you a little bit about my big sister. Um, ever since I can remember, my sister has been kind of like a second mom, but with a cool best friend type of twist. Uh, not a firm disciplinarian, not a miss-know-it-all, not a stickler for just trying to navigate my twin sister and I to do right, but just kind of like a calm force to kind of just, you know, provide her wisdom in a cool way. Um, ever since I can remember, she's been someone that I can look up to. She, trailbla she trailblazed a path where I can literally walk down and not only walk down the path, but also create a better path for myself. Um, she's truly one of my best friends, and the one thing I love about Nadja is her passion. 
uh, there's no in-between with Naja. Either you, you love her or you don't. But if you love her, you have someone that has your back literally to no end. Um, she's passionate about her family, her friends, her work, everything. Um, her work ethic is crazy. Everything about her is either self-taught or she spent hours and hours getting certified and getting credentials and getting degrees on I mean, just because she's that passionate and driven. Um, one of the things that she's passionate about, again, circling back, is family. She married my now brother, and he, also, he had a ready-made family. She stepped in like none other and assumed the role of a wife and a stepmom. Even with all of the ups and downs and twists and turns that she's endured, she's literally made a peaceful family for herself, and that's something that my sisters and I, we never had to go through. So it was very new being a sister, having uh, nieces and a nephew, and having to see all the things that she went through with trying to blend a family because it wasn't easy. Uh, it wasn't easy for her. It wasn't easy for us to watch. But she, she, she pretty much conquered everything that she set her mind to, and she's always going to new heights to just reinvent herself or make herself better or make everyone else's world around her better. So that's all I have to say about my big sister. I can keep going on and on and oh, on. Oh, keep there. going, keep going. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right, well, I know you're getting ready for date night, so I'm going to let you go. Have fun. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> well, in that case, then, you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Adios. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Nadia Matthews. I'm Nadia's baby sister. Um, when it comes to Nadia, when you think of a big sister, you think about the person that you look up to, the person that is overly protective, um, that gives you all her advice and clothes, and this... Um, Exactly who Najee is as a big sister. Um, she's the epitome of every stereotype that a big sister has. She's always been the type that, um, you know, look out for my twin sister and I uh, when it comes to anything. Uh, relationship advice, health advice, business advice, um, whatever she's gone through prior to us. Um, we are always uh, getting passed down tips and advice. Um, just She's a warm, a loving person. Um, as, as you know, she's all about her brand and her business and perfecting that. Um, she's a perfectionist at what she does, and she works extremely hard uh, and sacrifices um, so much time in making sure everything is perfect and up to quality. So those are things that I look up to. So, yes, she is just a, an amazing, amazing big sister. Okay, question, question, because that was cool and cute and cookie cutter. You know, that's what I would expect. But these people here that we're talking to, they're like my family. You know, they're, they're my podcast family. They, they know me. Not as well as you guys know me, but I'm trying to help them get to know me. So tell me, as a big sister, what's, what, what's the one thing that gets on your damn nerves about me? Like I said previously, the pan, <laughs> passing down advice. No, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so everything I said, sometimes it can be obsessive. Like I said, she's a perfectionist, and she uh, everything that she does, she studies it twice as hard to make sure that it's right, to make sure that it's of quality. So, you know, when, she, when it comes to eating, health advice or business advice, she can be overly critical on making sure that it's perfect. Mm. 
that now how why you soften it up like that? How about the time you tell me? I said, No, what's wrong? That's not I said, What you talking about? That's not dead. She got on my nerve. Just tell me about that. <laughs> you know, she's a professional too. She has a brand of her own too. But okay. All right. Thank you, Nadia. That's my um my my sisters, they're twins. I am eight years older than them. And I remember when my parents told me that they were expecting two little new human beings. I was perfectly happy. I was eight years old. I was the only child. We had a cool dog. I had my own room, my own toys. So I was devastated when I found out that my parents were invading my space with two new people. And they tried to segue it by, you all remember Cabbage Patch Dolls? I, well, you know, those of you 80s babies, they had these things called Cabbage Patch Dolls and they came in this little box and they pretended that they grew in a cabbage patch. And so my parents are going to give me a boy and a girl cabbage patch doll for Christmas. And I was like, I don't, I don't. And mom was like, I think, what did you say, mom? Well, you know, you're going to have a real sister and brother. And I was like, no! So it was hard for me. But then I, I do consider them two of my very best friends now, two of my biggest blessings. And it's cool when you can grow up and help groom um, young people. I mean, we're, you know, eight years old. So I've been gone for, how old was I when I left Memphis? Or how old were you guys? Were you 12? Yeah, they were 12 years old. So we've not lived together in the same household in 20 years, but we never miss a beat. We talk on the phone a couple times a week. We have three-way calls. You know, like we're still very, very close considering um, what distance could have done to us. So, yeah, that's my sister Nadia. And by the way, she's like an awesome playwright, director. She's owned her own business, like a real brick-and-mortar business, since she was 16 years old. So... You know, we're a family full of business people. And uh, my dad, Nate, that you guys heard from, Nate has been in the car business for almost 40 years. So, uh, yeah, you know, entrepreneur, like, it all runs through our blood. So that is my family. And I just want to say this. My parents, my sisters, um, just like they have a lot of pride in me, I'm also very proud of them. And one of my um, major sources of pride is the fact that my parents – have been able to sustain and maintain a healthy, happy marriage for 42 and a half years. My dad is over there coughing and rolling his eyes. <laughs> Be true, he said. So I, I want them to come on. And you know, you, you all know I'm all about the real, the real, the trill. Trill means truth and real, by the way. Those of y'all that aren't hip hop gangsters like I am. I'm going to have them to come on and really give us, me too, you know, me and my sisters are here listening, give us some real marital advice, not that don't go to bed angry crap. I mean, like, how do you stay married to the same person for 42 years? Dad, I'm going to let you go first. Hello, hey, it's Pops again. <laughs> I'm reminded of an old song where it says that the preacher asks the woman, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? And she said, I do. The preacher turned back around and asked the man, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? And she said, yeah, he does too. <laughs> she spoke for me. But I'm going to tell you, out of 42 years of up and down in marriage, real life, trials and tribulations and things like that, what a person have to do is this. Life is real and everybody's going to be hit with certain errors that life is going to shoot at you. You can't get around it. But what do you do in the midst of all that? What you have to do is learn how to resolve things very quickly 
and it's easily said, but it's not hard done sometimes because sometimes you can walk around two or three days and not speak. Things can hold you back. So what you have to do is tear down the defense wall. Make sure that you put up a defense, but make sure that defense wall is not one that's incarcerating your thoughts and blocking your progress. You have to grow. You have to flex like you do a muscle. You have to work on it all the time like you go to the gym. You have to work on this all the time. You got to keep working on it. You got to keep communicating. Things going to come and try to cut the communication off. And one thing you got to do is just right here, always learn how to forgive because when you look at life, when you look at life, you know that everybody in life has issues and things like that. So learn how to forgive because nobody is perfect. No man is perfect. No situation is perfect. And when you look at yourself and know that you're not perfect, you leave room for forgiveness and you look at life like it is and you deal with it. Okay, a quick question, Dad. Um, my parents were very real about making sure that they did not hide the flat fact that conflict is inevitable. If you're married to a person, you know, if you're in any sort of relationship, friendship, working relationship, whatever, you're going to have conflict. You're going to argue. Now, I can't sit up here and say that they did did it right all the time because what is right when we're dealing with emotions this podcast is called i know i'm crazy y'all know some of the moments we've had on here emotions are a nutty thing um so tell me dad about some like one of your regrets when it comes to ways that you may have resolved conflict things that you could have done differently things you could have done better and mom i'm gonna i want you to chime in too if there's anything that you can think think of but dad can you think of some moments where you're like dang i'm I shouldn't have handled that like that. Can you talk about that? Well, I think there are so many out of 42 years and out of being in, in, in 62 years of age, there's a lot of experiences in life that you regret how it happened, how it went down. But the main thing is learning how to move on from it, learn something from it, and then apply it and realize that love is an action verb. It's an action word. If you experience those trials and tribulations like that, and you sit back and think about them, powder, whatever you do, however you process it, process it, and then turn back around whatever you learn, then apply it. Keep applying. Keep applying. Keep learning. Keep growing. He didn't, I guess you didn't want to get specific. Because it's too many to talk about. <laughs> he said he don't want to get specific because it's too many. <laughs> Keep it real. Keep it real. He said, keep it real. He said, he don't know one because it's too many. You know, but that's life, y'all. You don't get through 42 years without, you know. I refuse to answer that question on the ground. It might incriminate me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ma, Mama. So, marital advice. You know, some real get to the women out there. Um, this is my mom's first and only marriage, but you know, like I said, 42 years, that's a long time. She's, she's seen it all. So, Mom, give these ladies out there. You know, I want you to talk to the women that might want to give up. They might say, I made a mistake by marrying this fella. Or I could have a better life elsewhere. Or I don't know if I can maintain my sanity being a wife and a mom and a um, co-worker, sister, auntie. Talk to those women. How, do they, how did you hold on for 42 years? Hello again, everyone. Uh, my first big mistake was uh, giving him the 
right phone number when I was supposed to give him the wrong phone number. At age at age sixteen, I was just a a, a beautiful woman walking down Main Street, and I was told by my big sister to give every guy that looks at you the wrong number. So I thought I did. I thought I did. I thought I did. But ladies, I'm just letting you know, nothing in life happened by accident. Because uh, I gave, I mean, it was the right number. It was the right number. And then that's where I, the right guy. Uh, <laughs> and that's where uh, I found love. Yes, he was my uh, first love. And we um, dated. I had that charm, that personality. Go on, tell the truth. That's no. why she gave, that's why she gave was, me. If she'd been practicing and giving out the wrong number. It was an accident. How did, it was a total it wasn't no accident. It was a total accident. It was a mistake. Now, see, he uh, stalked me. Uh, two, two years later, it was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't stalk you. Okay, Dad, don't interrupt her. She didn't interrupt you. Let her finish. <laughs> she was doing it all her life with me. <laughs> now he's walking away. He says he's about to go get some raisins. We're in the kitchen recording in Memphis, Tennessee, by the way, guys. I'm headed back to New York today. I'm about to catch my flight. But I was like, you know what? Let's talk on the podcast. So this was totally unplanned. So sorry, Mom, for that rude interruption. So he stopped you. Keep going, Mom. <laughs> but, the, but the fun part is that we became uh, friends, totally, totally good friends before uh, uh, became uh, lovers, marriage, parents, and, and et cetera. We were very good friends. And that was able, we were able to soften some of the blows uh, through our turbulence because of our friendship, because we started uh, young and we had a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm letting everybody know to please make memories, make a lot of memories as you go, because when the hard time come, you will be able to say, uh, must I throw in a towel or must I try? Must I throw in a towel or must I try? And then uh, love is not easy. Marriage is not easy, but you have to put in some Work just like uh, you're going on a job. Everything calls for a lot, a lot of time and work and patience. Thank you, Mom. Make good memories. That's a good lesson to kind of supersede and overshadow the bad memories when they come. You know, Dad, I got a question for you. Come back real quick. He's over there eating his raisins. So uh, <laughs> so when when I hear a lot of people say marriage is hard, and that, that kind of feels like a downer. That makes... That's, that feels discouraging, but what does it mean? What does it mean to you when people say marriage is hard? Really, I think life prepares you when you're a small child, learning how to tie your shoes or learning how to ride your first bike or something like that. I think life kind of throws uh, obstacles at you. So just bear in mind that it starts at an early age. But after you mature to a level, after you get out of that childhood age and everything like that and take on a partner and everything, well, you're experiencing something you never experienced before. You're taking on a spouse or you're taking on a friendship or maybe looking at a marriage or thing like that. So life itself has its problems and its challenges and things like that. But again, like everything that we just said, put your faith in the right place, pray together, Communicate together. Things are going to be hard. So the opposite of making things hard and making it soft of putting things in place when these things trigger certain things, have things in place on the other side to kind of balance that or to maybe eradicate it or eliminate it or soften it a little bit. 
because you can't get around it. I can't tell you that things ain't going to be hard sometimes. But I'm saying have something in place also that you can pull from to help the situation. Okay, okay. That's what's up. It's all mom. Hold on, mom. Okay, your turn. And, and that's what uh, uh, we have did. Uh, uh, we didn't have uh, a life coach or a marriage coach. Uh, we did have to go and seek uh, a counseling, you know, to make sure we kept it together. But one thing we did, uh, we both are from uh, two big, big families. We were able to not have our families involved in our relationship. It was between he and I. They stayed, you know, uh, we let them have their distance and no say so in it. So we were able to come to some resolution uh, peacefully uh, to stay together for a long time. Uh, and of course, uh, the children, I, I, you have to be, when you have children, a parenting is a tough job and on its own. Uh, so you have to be able to uh, stay married, have a relationship with your spouse, and also to be a good parent. And that's one thing I could say about uh, Mr. Nate and I, whatever we went through, you know, our kids, the love for them and making them good citizens and adult was one of our main priorities. And we could not have done any of that if we did not put God first. Put God first. And you know, I, growing up, I, I had the luxury and the privilege and the blessing of growing up in a two-parent household, meaning there were no step-parents. The two, my two biological parents were and are my key influences in how I view love and um, how I teach a lot of my audience and my clients and, uh, you know, my outlook towards love, which is a cool thing because y'all are hearing from them now. So I don't think they did half bad with teaching us, me and my sisters, how to be dad. I want you to give some advice to the fathers out there listening because, uh, you know, the, my audience is mostly ladies, but they'll go and grab their men to listen a lot of the time. So come on over here. Come back over here. So my dad has three girls, y'all. <laughs> and we three fine women, too. We three fine women. Like their mama. Like my mom. Like my mama said, like their mama. So, daddy, raising three attractive, smart, go-getting, headstrong stubborn girls how would you get give some advice to the dads out there you know that maybe don't want to let go of control or they're afraid for their girls to grow up or even the dads that are not in the household with their daughters anymore and they they're maybe their fathers have maybe their girls have a stepdad i remember one time i was talking to my pop and he was like you know one of the reasons that Clearly, your marriage stays together for a lot of the right reasons. And most people stay together sometimes for the kids. I remember my parents were going through a hard time. And he was just like, you know, I didn't want anybody else raising my girls. And there's a lot of us here. Like, you all know I'm a step-parent now. So the family that I married into is a result of the first family coming apart. And so, uh, you know, my parents chose to make that one of their missions. So that... Give some advice to the men that are raising their daughters in their homes and maybe that are co-parenting outside of their homes. How do you stay close to your, your kids, mainly your girls? Again, this is Nate Matthews. I want you to sit down and listen because this is going to be deep, <laughs> deep. First of all, I want to say is that God blessed me with a good woman, a wife. And I'm going to tell you something. She was there. You know how us men can be sometimes. She was there to 
plait the hair, make sure that they had the Easter dresses and take them and kept them engaged and things like that. While we was out there trying to figure out how to make a way, how we're going to make this way. And sometimes with not being as sure, sometimes I hear it get all bad and things like that. So it's very important. If you are in a marriage or in a relationship, close relationship, it's good to have a good woman because that good woman, she's the backbone of it. Although the man is the provider, breadwinner, things like that in most cases. But I do want to give hats off to women that hangs in there and sticks in there sometime when the uh, guy is not present like he should should be. Now, as far as a, 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 a stepfather, I can't say because how can I comment on that? And I really hadn't been involved in that situation. But as being a man, only thing I can say, hey, get involved. Square your faith up in the right place because you're going to need some faith to help you when there's nobody else to help you that fate will get you through and then just try to do the best that you can always be responsible always be responsible tell yourself the truth the keys are who and what's important you have to put aside a lot of things that might make the kid not live out their true potential so there's a lot of responsibility that falls on you as a man. And just don't look at yourself in a situation that might not be all the way right, but do the right thing because it's your kids that's looking at you and you owe that to your kids. And so if that's the sacrifice that you have to make, sometimes you have to take the low road. I'm not saying take the wrong road, take the low road. Just go ahead on for the sake of the kids because they are looking. Sacrifice and make sure you're teaching and imparting something to them. Because in time, time will tell everything, okay? Thanks, Dad. Thank you so much. So I'm going to talk to, I'm going to bring my sister. <laughs> you Deepak Chopra? You Nathaniel Chopra? So I'm going to bring, it's me and my, my sister Nadia here. And um, I want Nadia to come on and give some advice. And I'll say this, my sister was a business person, entrepreneur before me. She was a writer before me. I might be eight years older than her, but she has been one of my key inspirations into go ahead and into pushing forward with pursuing a certain type of artistry. She produced her first play at 16 years old. It was sold out. And I wasn't living in Memphis at the time. I was away in New York and I had to come home. And I just remember seeing your young 16 year old mind put this together. My first time on national television on the Tyra Banks show. It was me and Nadia. Nadia had written in and gotten her, gotten herself flown to New York, all expenses paid. She's since done a whole bunch of national television, but you know she was just so young and so ambitious. And so I wanted her to come on and give some advice to those of you that have kids that want to be become artists that want to pursue some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor because our parents also played play a very key role in supporting her so nadia can you give some advice to the parents especially the parents of maybe tweens the younger kids that are like you know give some advice to them tell them what you they need to do the same thing mom and dad you know kind of helped groom your career with okay um uh well personally i feel like a parent should just let them explore themselves um when i was doing my play uh, my parents stepped in 
at the very tail end. Um, they, they, I think because of my ambition, I left school, I skipped school to go to a college to beg and borrow to use their theater. You know, at 15, I wrote the play. Um, I had my parents drop me off at community centers to run auditions. Um, so I think it took all of that hard work of wanting to produce myself uh, for my parents to see like, oh, okay, let me step in and help on the back end. We do see a lot of parents that have already produced the, the events and products and services for their children and their kids have very little impact and their kids are only using their age to brand their business. Hey, my kid wrote this book at nine when the kid really just okayed the design on the book or my kid made cookies, but your kid only put one sprinkle on the cookie. Um, and that, that does make your child a kidpreneur, but it also takes away from that hardcore lessons and letdowns and rejection that your kid should go through uh, to build themselves for a real business. Yes. And by the way, my sister and I, you know, I hate to talk numbers, but we're impressed by numbers. She can put out a play next month and she can just draw in. Can I tell numbers? Can I tell profits? My sister's last play, and I think she had like a month and a half to play in. It did $55,000. Sold out, two sold out shows. So this is a person that you guys should absolutely be listening to. Heck, I listen to her. All right. Oh, y'all. So that was the Matthews family. I am Naja Matthews Hall with I Know I'm Crazy. And guess what? We are all kind of crazy. All right. We love y'all. Say bye, everybody. Bye. I, know I'm crazy. I didn't even tell I know you to say I'm crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I'm Naja Hall.